Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're wrapping up a series that we have started and that is the issue of lust, lies, and liberation. Lust, that is that desire that we have that manifests itself in sin. Lies, the effort that we make to cover up the sin. And the liberation, which is that process of confrontation, repentance, and now as we're going to look today, a second chance. We're going to talk about second chances today. Another chance Because that's what is so wonderful about our God. Yes, He is angry about the junk in our lives. Yes, He is displeased with the stuff that we do. And He will confront us about it. He will deal with us so that we head back in the right direction. And we see that our response with that confrontation is what we saw last week as we looked at the first part of Psalm 51 is that we need to be broken over the sin in our lives and recognize how far we have missed the mark with God. Recognize how far we are from that relationship with Him that we should have. And so now we see in this next section of Psalm 51 that David is going to talk with God about another chance. He's come clean with God. So now he's going to talk about another chance and what that means. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. This is that final section of that liberation aspect because that's what we want, isn't it? We want another chance with God. We recognize that we need Him for forgiveness. We recognize that we've done wrong and God, give us another chance now. And so I want you to see David's prayer. So I want you to notice with me, David writes... Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Open, Lord, my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure towards Zion. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of the righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. We're going to look today, and what we're going to see here with another chance is the whole aspect, one word describes it, renewal. We're going to see something renewed. We're going to see David renewed in these verses. And what we want to learn as we watch David being renewed, we want our lives to be renewed. 
And basically what we're going to see here is that he's renewed in three areas. He's renewed, first of all, in his life. We're going to look at that in verses 10 through 12. We're also going to see that he has a renewed outlook on how he views things. We see that in verses 13 through 17. And then we're going to see his prayer for a renewed community. Because David understands that he is not in it by himself. He is part of a greater whole. And listen, my friends, you and I need to understand that when it comes to our sin. See, Satan will tell you that, oh, it's just between you and God. You don't need to worry about it. It doesn't affect anybody else. But my friend, sin affects everybody around you. Everybody around you. It affects your family. It affects your friends. It affects your co-workers. It affects saved and unsaved. It affects others, whether you realize it or not. That's the nature of sin. And so David now has a renewed view of community. And so those are the three things we're going to see when we talk about another chance today. So I want you to notice with me, first of all, the renewed life. Look with me at verse 10. Notice what he says there. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The first thing that he's talking to God about is this. He wanted a renewed heart. Let me just stop for a moment. He's not talking about that cardiopulmonary muscle that is pumping within you. When we talk about our hearts, we're not talking about that instrument that is in the midst of you. What we see in the Bible is that when we talk about the heart, we're talking about the essence of who you are. The center of who you are. From which all things emerge. Your thoughts. Your words that come out of your mouth. Remember what Jesus said? Out of the abundance of the heart, what the mouth speaks. And so here's David as he's asking for another chance He's asking for God to renew his heart. Why? Because he recognizes how wicked his heart really is. Because remember, let's just think back a few weeks ago when we were in 2 Samuel. Remember how calloused his heart had gotten? Remember when he first sent for Uriah? And so he asked Uriah, so how goes the battle? He wasn't really caring about the battle and what was going on with the men in the field. He was more worried about his sin and what had taken place. He was so self-centered in his heart. Do you remember when the messenger came to tell him that Uriah was dead and he said to David, David and several others were killed as well? you remember what David said? Go back and tell Joab, that's the way of the sword. Some live, some die. Don't grieve yourself. See how calloused his heart was? See, that's what sin does to us. Sin, when we engage in it, when we become, it becomes a part of us, it changes our hearts. We are so focused on self. And so here's David now as he's asking God for another chance. He realizes, notice, I think this is very important. The first thing he asks for when he talks about God and he's looking at that renewed life, he's saying, God, Create in me a renewed heart. Give me a renewed heart. Change my heart. You've got to have a changed heart first. Does everybody understand that? You've got to have a changed perspective going on in here because out of what's going on in here, everything else is. Listen, that's how you can tell between true repentance and true remorse. What are you talking about, George? True repentance... Because it's real easy. Like if I do Brad wrong and Brad confronts me, here's the difference between repentance and remorse. At first, there is no difference. At first, you don't see a difference because at first, it manifests itself in the same way. 
Sorry, Brad. Man, I, I am so sorry. At first, there's no difference between the two, but as time goes on, you see the difference. You see the difference because here's what happens. Why do you keep bringing that up, Brad? thought we dealt with that. It's time to move on, man. Is that repentance? No, that's remorse. What does that reveal when I express that kind of attitude about my heart? Has my heart changed? No. True repentance is expressed because David realizes in a clean heart, Brad, I, you know, I've, I've heard expressed to you that I'm sorry, but man, it obviously hurt you a lot. And, you know, and I just want to express again that I am so sorry. That is repentance. Even if it was 20 years later, a clean heart says, a renewed heart says, a renewed spirit says, I am sorry for hurting you. I wish I could take it back. See, David is asking for a renewed spirit. But so oftentimes, we just operate on, well, you know, it's forgiven, just forget it. No, no, he, he's going to be ever mindful of what he's done. He's going to be ever mindful of what he's done. So he wanted a renewed heart because he recognizes that is the center of the relationship with him. Now look at verse 11. This verse has basically caused some confusion, but I want to help you to understand. He says, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Here's what he's saying. He feared a broken relationship with God. Listen, I want you to listen to me because maybe you've been taught... Because you'll say, well, obviously we're in the New Testament now and God's not going to take His Holy Spirit from me. So I don't really need to pay attention to this because this was Old Testament. So this has nothing to do with me. So I'm not going to pay attention. You need to pay attention. Because you're missing a good point here if you're going to excuse it away theologically. Because here's what David is saying. I want you to understand what's going on in David's mind as he is uttering these words. David succeeded a man called Saul who started out in in his kingship pretty good. But Saul purposely abandoned what God wanted and sinned. And because of that, God removed his presence from him. God removed his blessing on his kingship from him. And so here's what David is doing. He remembers what happened to Saul because of his sin. And he says, Oh my, I have done far more than what Saul has done. Because I'll be honest with you, if you look at the life of Saul, Saul never did what David did. Never. And God removed the blessing away from him. God removed his presence from him. So David is saying, Lord, I don't want my relationship with you to be broken. He feared a broken relationship. See, that's the aspect of a renewed life. Listen to me. You have a sensitivity now to your sin. This is what we're talking about here. You have a sensitivity that what I'm doing is an affront to you, God, and therefore I'm afraid it's going to affect my relationship with you. See, let me be honest with you, though. We don't live that way anymore. We've bought into the MasterCard theology of forgiveness that says anytime I sin, I should just ask for forgiveness and it's there and I can just keep on doing what I want to do. David didn't have that kind of thinking in his mind because he was afraid that God was going to remove the blessing from him. Do you live that way? A few weeks ago, I had a friend come and visit me. We were sitting in my room 
my living room and we were talking about me being a pastor and I told him the greatest fear that I had, the greatest fear that I have is messing up spiritually. Why? Because I've seen it so many times that when a pastor messes up, the blessing is gone. The blessing is gone. The blessing is gone. And it doesn't matter how much he wants to get back in the pulpit, the blessing is gone. And that's the fear. And I should live with that fear. My friends, you should live with that kind of fear about the sin in your lives. You should live with that kind of fear. Don't assume that God's just going to bless you no matter what. So many of us, we just live with that kind of concept. Oh yeah, well, He's just going to bless me. Really? Find that in the Bible. It's not there. It's not there. And so David is saying, as he's asking for another chance, he's saying, God, I fear that my relationship with you is going to be broken. Look, my friends, that is a renewed life right there. When you have a sensitivity to how it's going to affect your relationship. You don't comprehend what I'm saying? I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit of understanding. If Lori were here, let's say I did Lori wrong, whatever it was. And I came to her groveling on my hands and feet, because that's what it would take. Me groveling for her forgiveness. Don't you think that I'm going to be sensitive from that point out about what I'm doing that's going to affect our relationship? You better believe it. Because if I'm not, I need my head examined. Because I just can't expect that everything's going to be the same in our marriage. Some of you think that way. Oh, they'll just get over it. No, they don't. How many of you have gotten over it? We haven't, have we? But yet, for some reason, when it comes to the relationship with God, He's different. No, He's not. You and I need to have a godly fear concerning the stuff in our lives. And that's what David had. He feared a broken relationship with the Lord. Let's go on there. Notice one. Notice something else that he wanted in a renewed life. Look again. He says this again. He's already said this to to us earlier. Look at verse 12. He says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Here's what he's saying. He wanted the joy that comes with spiritual renewal. I don't need to ask for a show of hands with this point. Because I already know. Because it's manifested in how we live our lives. We are missing a joy that can only come from being right with God. But for some reason, we're trying to fill it with all kinds of other stuff. Four-wheelers, hunting, TV shows, clothes, food, chocolate, cheeseburgers, iced tea, and do you understand? We're doing sex, relationships, kids, grandkids, positions, power. And we're trying to find joy that cannot be found because it can only be found in a renewed walk with God by being right with Him. David understood that. David said, I don't have any joy in my life, Lord. Joy only comes from You. Restore to me the joy. Restore it to me. Bring it back into my life. My friends, you need to quit looking at all that other stuff. It's just going to create a bigger hole. And you wonder why you're not happy. And so here's what happens. And this is happening in Christian circles now. I'm not happy. 
Must be the bum I'm living with. So I'll find somebody else. Must be because I'm strapped with kids. So I'll leave them. Oh! God's going to bring somebody else in my life. Then I'll have joy. Okay, you might have momentary pleasure. Give it three years. What do you mean three years, George? Well, that's the normal statistics with any relationship. Whether it's a marriage relationship or a cohabitating relationship, after three years you kind of get on each other's nerves. It's when the honeymoon's over. And all you married folks here know what I'm talking about. Because you can talk about, boy, those things were like those first years. What first years? The first three years. And that's the way it is. We are looking for joy in the wrong places when it's right there before our eyes all the time. God, you're our joy. We need God. That's what David was saying. A renewed life. He wanted joy that comes from a renewed walk with God. A renewed spiritual renewal. So notice now, as he's asking this, as he's asking his life to be renewed, he now begins to have a renewed outlook. He begins to change the way that he's thinking. He's no longer focused on self. He's now thinking in terms of others. He's thinking outwardly rather than inwardly. So I want you to notice with me now verses 13 through 17. First of all, notice verse 13. Notice what he says. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Notice the next thing I want you to see here is is what he's saying here is this. He would have a basis for ministry. David is saying, Lord, if you created me, you give me another chance, you created me a, a new heart, a clean heart, a renewed heart. Lord, my relationship with you is not broken, but it's maintained and I'm sensitive to our relationship now. Lord, as you restore back to me that joy that I had about you that is fulfilling that hole in my life, Lord, as you do this, now I can go and tell others about you. And they'll listen. Because my life is different. The Barnard Research Group in the last five years has done study after study after study each year. And they've come to the same statistics over and over and over and over again. The only difference between those who call themselves Christians and those who are not Christians is that they go to church. The divorce rate's the same. We drink and consume as much alcohol as unbelievers do. We are addicted to just as many drugs. We gamble just as much as unsaved people do. We have just as many affairs as they do. We view just as much pornography as they do. We'll steal from our bosses just as much as an unsaved person will. We'll lie just as much as an unsafe person will. We'll treat our spouses just as terrible as an unsafe person does. The list goes on and on. It was a big list of behaviors. My friends, it was shocking to look at that list and then to realize that we who call ourselves Christians are no different than those who don't go except for the fact that you're here this morning, they're sleeping in. There's no difference. No difference And do you wonder why nobody wants to know about your Jesus? Do you wonder why nobody cares about Jesus Christ? 
That they don't really care that He'll answer prayers and that He'll bring salvation? What do they really care if there's no difference except that you come to church and you put money in an offering plate, they get to keep it in their wallet, and they get to enjoy themselves in other ways? David said, Lord, now I will be able to teach transgressors your ways. Now sinners will be converted to you. Why? Because you've renewed my life. You've given me another chance. And it now comes out of my life. My friends, can I be honest with you? The problem ain't the culture. The problem is us. We've got to wake up to that reality. Quit blaming the culture. I mean, think about it. How do I expect unsaved people to act like? Like unsaved people? They're doing what's natural. What does God expect Christians to act like? His children. We're doing what's not natural, though. We're willfully making wrong decisions. And so he says it's the basis for his ministry. So he has a renewed outlook. He says, man, Lord, if, if you come into my life, then I'm going to have an impact that I've never had before. And he goes on and he says this. Look at verse 14 and 15. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, my open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. Here's what he's saying. He would have a basis for praise. You know what the real issue in churches today is? It's not the style of music. It's not your music versus their music. The issue today in churches today is your heart towards God and whether or not you are truly worshiping Him from your heart, not because you like the melody. And so what he says is this, when I'm renewed and I have a clean heart and I'm, I realize that my relationship and I'm sensitive about our relationship, Lord, and here I am, Lord, not only is there going to be a change in how I am with others, as I teach them about you and your ways, Lord, there's now going to be a change in how I am about you, God. How I am about you. So when I sing, I sing from my heart. When I praise and stand up and give a testimony, I give it from my heart. That's what he's saying here. He's got a different outlook. You see the different outlook? Man, I'm going to be honest with you. When you hold up his outlook and what he has here in these verses, man, am I not doing good. That's what he's saying. So then he goes on and he says one more thing here. Notice that he comes to a conclusion in his outlook. Look at verse 16. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Here's the next thing in his outlook. Notice what he notices. He understands what God truly wants. David is saying, God, God, if you wanted me to give, I would give. If you want bulls, sacrifices, I'll sacrifice bulls. But God, you're not interested in that. What you're interested in is the condition of my heart. And here's the condition that you want. That I would be broken before you. That I would be contrite. Not self-assured. Not thinking I'm doing okay. But I would recognize, Lord, that I need you. Listen to me, church. Listen. God couldn't care less that you're here this morning. If you're here this morning and your heart is somewhere else, you're just wasting your time. He couldn't care less that you put something in this offering plate this morning. That ain't making you okay with God. He didn't care how you dressed. 
He doesn't care about any of that stuff. He doesn't care about any of that. That stuff doesn't impress him. That's what David is saying. Lord, if you wanted stuff for me, I would try to do it, but that's not what you want. What does he want from us? Look at what it says. What he wants from us is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, a heart that says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. See, David had a renewed outlook on life. He said, Lord, you're not interested in all that stuff. You're interested in me, the real me. That's what he wants. He understood what God truly wants. And so he had a renewed outlook. So notice now, with that renewed life and that renewed outlook, David now prays in verses 18 and 19 for a renewed community. And this is what we're going to end up here with. Notice now two things here. Look with me. Verse 18, he says this, Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Here's what he's saying. The community will be strengthened. Look, if you and I get serious about the sin in our lives, listen to me, if we get serious about the sin in our lives, if we start going to Him and recognizing, God, I've displeased you, have mercy on me, and we turn from our sin, and we ask for that another chance, and He renews our life, He gives us a renewed outlook. The community, who's the community? You and I, the church. The community now is strengthened. Because when it talks about the walls of Jerusalem there, many commentators feel that David is talking about the wall of morality. Because you see, his sin would cause others to sin because he was the king. And so here's David. He's recognizing, I'm not doing right, Lord. I'm coming clean with you. Renew my heart. And Lord, as you renew my heart, here's what he's asking. God, the community will be strengthened. The community will be strengthened. And he goes on, verse 19, and here's what he says then. As the community is strengthened, here's what he finally says. Notice what he says. The sacrifices of God's people will be accepted. Our service will be accepted. Our sacrifices, our giving, will be acceptable to him. Why? Because we're renewed. Because our hearts are right. That's what he's saying. So as I end this series, let me give you some things to think about. Don't look at your neighbor. Are you, are you listening to me, are you right with God? Don't make excuses. Well, you know, I'm not doing like so and so. Again, you're comparing yourself. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not an axe murderer. Again, you're comparing yourself. Look at God's holy standard. What's His standard? How are you doing? Are you right with God? And if we were all honest with ourselves, we would have to say what, folks? No. Here's the next question then. And here's the reality. You're sitting here today, and I already know it. I didn't ask you for your hands because I already know it. This is where we're all at. We don't have the joy in our life anymore. We don't see God answering prayers. We don't see His mighty hand in our lives. We don't sense His presence in our lives. And it's because of where we are at. So here's the next question I want to ask you is, has your sin weighed you down? Ask yourself that question. Well, I'm doing better. Again, you're comparing yourself. Quit comparing yourself. You're going to compare yourself? Are you doing better than Jesus? What's the answer? No. And then finally, the final application point that we need to see here is this. And you've got to listen to me. Make a complete turn to God. Not a half turn. Not a partial turn. Not even a fraction of a turn. See, that's the only way, I'm going to be honest with you, that's the only way we're going to have the joy. 
That's the only way we're going to have the victory in our lives. That's the only way we're going to have the impact in our community. It's the only way. Turn back to Him. He's waiting. He's waiting. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.